Hey guys, I know the episode hasn't started yet, but we want to take a moment to talk about this month's sponsor. Yeah, we're extremely excited that Christian Family Bookstore has come aboard this month for this sponsorship and this giveaway. What they've graciously offered to do is they've allowed us to give away three $40 gift certificates. Again, that's three $40 gift certificates. So obviously a great deal. You can pick anything out on their site that would be helpful in your resources and your study of the Word of God. But before we get to how you need to enter into that giveaway, Michael's going to talk to us a little bit about Christian Family Bookstore. Yeah, Christian Family Bookstore has been a widely trusted resource for many years. In fact, with Roots and Bookstore business going back to 1978, they have provided sound materials with a biblically conservative theme. In fact, they offer superb customer service, a wide selection, and the ability to get just about anything you need from Bibles, church supplies, communion, literature, and even study materials. Christian Family Bookstore is able to help you out. And if you're passing through Chattanooga, you can stop by and pay them a visit at 5319 Ringgold Road. That's R-I-N-G-G-O-L-D Road. Or you can visit their website at thechristianfamilybookstore.com. You can also give them a call at 423 855 4690. And if you ever see them at a major event like Polishing the Pulpit or the Memphis Lectureship, or you just happen to bump into them at an event, make sure to stop by and say hello. Yeah, they're extremely friendly people. They love to talk to you. They love to help you find whatever resources that you need. Now, in order to enter this giveaway, again, you probably guessed it, you got to do one thing, and that's to go to our website, scatteredabroad.org, enter your name, your email for our subscribed email list, and then you will be successfully entered to win, again, one of the three $40 gift certificates that we're going to be giving away. That's right, and we're so thankful for Christian Family Bookstore taking the time to sponsor this month's episode, and here it is. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Scattered Abroad Podcast. I'm your host, Caleb Rutherford. And I'm your host, Michael Clark. And we are so appreciative of your attention and the fact that you decided to join us for this episode here on the Scattered Abroad Podcast. As always, it's just like we begin every episode. If you have an opportunity, please remember to check out our website at scatteredabroad.org, and you can scroll all the way down. There you can subscribe to our email list, and once you do that, uh, you'll be able to receive emails throughout the month that concern our podcast, our blogs, and any other updates regarding the network that you might not know about. So please remember to do that if you have an opportunity. And also, if you can, please go to whatever platform it is that you use for your podcast listening, and there you can uh, give us a rating or review, and that certainly would help us out greatly. And hopefully, these podcasts have been beneficial to you in your walk with Christ. Our theme for 2021, if you've been following along with us for these past few episodes, has been scattered yet united. And so today we're going to focus on the topic of evangelism. We're going to talk about how we can be united in evangelism. I heard it once said this about the church, that if the church does not evangelize, then the church will quickly fossilize. And so with that thought in mind, Jameson, I want to turn it to you. We talk about evangelism. Why is it so important? Why, why is this concept of teaching others so important to us as Christians? Well, to really kind of make sure everyone knows kind of what we mean by evangelism right off the bat, uh, in 2 Timothy 4, verse 5, Paul writing to Timothy there, he tells him to do the work of an evangelist. And looking up that word evangelist, it's basically a messenger bearing the good news of the gospel. So it's someone who is proclaiming, they're bringing this good news to others. Why, why is it important? Well, I go over to Matthew chapter 4, and I think, first of all, maybe most obvious, it's important because it follows the example of Jesus Christ. In Matthew 4, verse 17, Jesus comes, he, he's, he's tempted by the devil, and then he starts preaching. He starts proclaiming, if you will. He says in Matthew 4, 17, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then you go down to verse 23, 
It says, And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of diseases among the people. So I guess one reason why is evangelism so important is it follows the example of Jesus Christ. Uh, another reason is because evangelizing, uh, taking the good news to others, it, it demonstrates that we are following Jesus and submitting to him. Uh, Matthew 4, verse 19, when Jesus walks by the Sea of Galilee, he calls Peter, he calls Andrew, and he says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Uh, we, we need to understand that following Jesus means that there is something that we must do. Uh, that there are, there are things that we must be. And he says, I will make you fishers of men. In other words, following Jesus, and maybe people haven't thought about this before, but following Jesus means there are things we are going to have to do. And one of those is, if we're going to follow his example, is we are going to become fishers of men, fishers of people, taking the good news to them. There's no such thing in Scripture as a Christian a disciple of Jesus Christ who does not take the good news to other people. There's no such thing as that in Scripture. And today I would say there's no such thing as that. Someone who claims to be a Christian who does not take the good news to others, then they are not following Jesus Christ. Because this right here shows Jesus says, follow me, and if you follow me, then I'm going to make you fishers of men. Someone who's not fishing for people, what that's demonstrating, they're not following Jesus. So evangelism is important because it follows the example of Jesus Christ. It shows, it's really kind of a demonstration that we are following him and we are submitting to him. And then I guess one final thought, this one kind of comes from a few different passages in the book of Romans, because everyone needs to hear it. This isn't a message that is only for a select few, but this is a message that everybody in this world needs to hear it. Uh, Romans 1.16, Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it, the gospel of Christ, is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. In Romans 3, verse 23, he says, for all have sinned. And really before that, he's shown the Gentiles have sinned, the Jews have sinned, everybody has sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. In Romans 6.23 the reason why that's something then that we all need to hear the good news about Jesus Christ is because he says the wages of sin, the just reward, the fair payment for sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So why is this important? I guess it's important, just those three things I thought about, because it, we follow the example of Jesus in taking the good news to others, it demonstrates that we are following him and submitting to him. And, and it's also a message that everybody we come across in this world, we all need to hear it. They all need to hear it. And I think it's so important that you mentioned that we take it to all people. We don't get to pick and choose who we want to evangelize to. It does, and it, it doesn't matter, um, you know, who it is. It doesn't matter their background, their race, their job, their financial status, whatever it is they're still in need of the gospel just as much as you are. I think that's so important for us to keep in mind. Houston, you had a point you wanted to make. Uh, yeah, so Jameson, one of, one of his points was it demonstrate, demonstrates our submissive, submissiveness to Christ. And I thought that uh, where he was going with that, he was going to say it demonstrates our faith. And that, that's a true statement because how many of us are going to walk up to a stranger 
and tell them a random piece of information that we don't believe in. Also, how many of us are going to walk up to a random stranger and tell them something that we don't think they need to hear as well? It's yeah. a great point. Very good point. Chase, let me, let me swing this to you. We talk about the Great Commission, right? And I think the most famous passage probably for the Great Commission is there at the end of Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. I've heard it said before that, that when Jesus was, was speaking these words, that he was speaking to his apostles, but only his apostles, that it was only met um, for his apostles then. So explain how this is a command um, that, goes just, that goes beyond them, how it's for every single New Testament Christian, not just those who were there back in that day. Well, it's right there in the passage, Matthew account of uh, the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And Jesus came and spoke unto them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples, or King James says, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And then it says, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. Amen. So we have this pattern that is set forth for evangelism. We make disciples or teach, and that culminates in baptizing them so that they can be saved. And then we teach them to observe all things that Jesus taught the apostles to observe. And so that's the pattern then. And in evangelism, Jesus commanded the apostles to do that, to convert people, including baptizing them and teaching them to follow these things. And in Acts chapter 2, we find the apostles doing that. Peter, in that wonderful sermon, he, he preaches that they had just crucified the Son of God. In Acts 2.37, they cry out, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Verse 38, he says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Well, 3,000 souls do that. They're at the end of Acts chapter 2, and the Lord adds them to the church. But in Acts 2.47, we find they, that is, those who were added to the church, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship and breaking of bread and in prayer. So what were they continuing in? Well, in part, they were continuing in evangelism. And when we come to Acts chapter 8, verse 4, where we get the name of our network, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. Who's the they? Well, it's not the apostles, because you look further up in the chapter, the apostles were still there at Jerusalem, but everybody else was scattered abroad. So they, that is, everyday Christians, were scattered abroad, and as they went, they were preaching the gospel. So we know then that everyday Christians, just general Christians, not necessarily preachers, although it certainly applies to us as well, but Christians need to evangelize. We need to spread the word so that people can can know the good news of Christ. Well, it's, it's interesting. We talk about this mindset, like you said, of hearing people say, well, that was only for the apostles. Well, it might have been said to the apostles. It might have been said to those men that were present the day that Jesus said those words out loud that could have fallen on the ears that were present. But like you said, logic and context, when we talk about Bible study, are so critical. And taking that context and bringing it to that point that you said in Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 8 was a beautiful way of describing that because I think Acts 2.42 is a much better representation of living faithfully right. than even Revelation 2.10. Right. Because we find the pattern is after becoming a Christian, what do you have to do? Exactly what they did in Acts chapter 2. And so that was a beautiful way to describe that. If the Great Commission only applies to the apostles, 
then the church, in effect, dies when the apostles die. That's right. And that's not what happened. They told us to go and teach as well. And Second Timothy 2, 2 says, And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Mm-hmm. Who's Paul speaking to? He's speaking to a preacher, Timothy. And then he says, Timothy, you go and teach other faithful men to teach others as well. That's a great point. You know, <clears throat> Houston, we, we talk about this idea of evangelism. We've talked about why it's important why we need to go out and do it. But when we talk about actually getting out and doing it, um, I think we can, we can as, a, as a whole, we can get better at it. We can improve at it as, just as we can in everything in life. So let's talk about this idea of how we can be better evangelists to everyone around us. We can talk about the religious, those who are non-religious, just everybody in general. How can we be better evangelists to them? So with that being a lot of different types of people, we could go in a lot of different areas, and we're not going to be able to to go into the specifics of of every religion and everybody, but three quick points. The first one being you have to know what you're evangelizing. If you don't know what you're evangelizing, then how are you going to evangelize? If you don't know what what you're teaching or what you're preaching, then you're not going to be able to do it. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, Paul said that when I came to you, I came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom uh, de- uh, declaring unto you the testimony of God verse 2 for I had determined to not know anything among you save Jesus uh, Christ and him crucified well he didn't know he, he preached nothing but Jesus Christ and him crucified but he knew the gospel he knew Jesus Christ and and, and the crucifixion etc so in the first place, we have to know what we're preaching. We have to know what we're evangelizing. We have to be prepared. The only way to do that is, of course, to go to the gospel, to go to the book, to go to his word. But in the second place, this goes along with the question, we have to know uh, who we're evangelizing. Not only do we have to know what we're evangelizing, we also have to know who we're evangelizing. First Corinthians, again, in, in chapter 9, uh, Paul explained that Uh, He made himself a servant unto all so that he might gain all. To the Jews he became a Jew that he might gain the Jews. To those that are under the law as under the law so that he might gain them that are under the law. To those that are without law as without law. And he says that not as though they were out without law to God but as under the law of Christ. He So that he might gain those that are without the law. To the weak he became as weak that he might gain the weak. He became all things to all men so that by all means he might save some. And this he did for the gospel's sake. We see Paul doing that exact same thing throughout the book of Acts. And and particularly I want to point out Acts chapter 17 uh, there on Mars Hill when he was preaching to them. You notice he preached the gospel. But he also didn't reference scripture. And it's, you mentioned something to me, Caleb, when you were talking with somebody about, uh, about abortion. And we want to go to the scripture because anybody who believes the Bible understands that abortion is wrong. But for somebody who thinks abortion is acceptable or is okay, they're likely not believing the Bible, believing what the Bible says. So we have right. to come at it from an outside perspective. So in order for us to evangelize those of other religions or those who are non-religious, we have to, we have to, to get on their level. We have to know, uh, get, understand a little bit of, of what they're thinking, where they are in life, and where they're, what their worldview is, 
and then we can start from there. But we're not going to be able to, to evangelize to them unless we know who they are and what they believe. And then in the last place, of course, we have to evangelize. It does no good for us to, to know the book front, uh, front to back. It does no good to us or to God or to anybody if we know the people that are around us and that we can come into contact with if we don't tell them the gospel, if we don't give them the good news. Yeah, and hang on just a second. I want to just make one point. I want to bring up something that Josh had mentioned in, a, in an earlier episode. He said the devil is happy if you don't talk to anybody else. Mm-hmm. He, he's, if, you, if, you, if you know what you're supposed to do, fine. But as long as you don't spread it to anybody else, mm-hmm. the devil's got you right where he wants you. Yeah, one of the things, I'll add a fourth to that. We have to let people know what other religions are teaching. And I think a lot of what we do today is we just say why abortion is wrong, but we don't give the arguments as to why someone would believe it because there are arguments out there that can be compelling that people will be able to say to you and they can tug on your heartstrings and you got to know why it's wrong. Same with homosexuality, same with baptism, same with any doctrine. And some of the issues we have is when Paul writes to the Galatians in Galatians 1, verses 6 through 10, where he talks about the mindset of that they were so soon turned away from the gospel to a different gospel, some might say, well, he's not spending any time talking about what's wrong with that. That's the whole book. From that point forward, Paul spends all the time talking about why the old law is ineffective at that point in time. It it only serves one purpose. That's to teach us good things that we can learn from it. It doesn't teach us our salvation as far as how we become saved. It teaches us how the salvation came to earth and what we need to learn from it. And so much of what we do when we do denominational doctrines is we just say why it's wrong. Here's why we believe this religion is wrong. Here's why we believe this is wrong, because they don't teach this. Well, what do they teach? In a courtroom setting, both sides are argued. And then the jury makes the decision. And what we need to be able to do is trust the truth. And I I think in some cases there are people out there that don't trust the truth enough anymore because it's almost as if they're scared to show what arguments are made. But then we send our children out. We send our loved ones out into the world, and they're going to hear these arguments, and we've been ill-prepared to answer them. And so if we don't give them what the evangelism is expected to do because you knock on someone's door, you sit down with someone that you work with, and you say, hey, I want to teach you about this. And they say, well, I attend this congregation at this church. It's a denomination, and we don't teach anything like that. And they hit you with something you've never heard before. Good luck because you're going to be so ill-equipped to answer it, you might kill the study right then and there. And so preachers and Bible class teachers and families and moms and dads, all of that culminate with one thought. Give people what is taught and then how to beat it. Don't just tell them how to beat it. We need to tell them what's going to be said, and all of it needs to be given to them. That's, with, a, great, that's a great point. With, with evangelizing to those of other, of other religions and to the irreligious and those of, uh, of denominations, etc., knowing what to say to them or knowing where they're coming from or what they believe, it might seem unnecessary to some but if it seems unnecessary to learn what they believe, it's probably because you're not evangelizing, just to put it bluntly. Mm-hmm. Because if you get out and you speak to people, every, it's all around us. Um, there are people in the United States, many people in the United States who are Hindu, who are Muslim, who are, uh, well, you name the religion and, and they are it. If you are evangelizing, you're going to come across it. And if you're coming across it, you need to be prepared. You need to get prepared. So... That's exactly right. I think, um, and Jameson, I'll get you in just, just a second. I, I remember 
doing some research. This was a few years ago, but Indianapolis, Indiana is considered the most religious city um, in America. And it says for every 289 people, they have one religious venue. This means that the 834,852 inhabitants that live there, they're able to choose from 2,892 different religious institutions. Um, and that's just that's just in, in, in Indianapolis, Indiana. Imagine, you know, all these other major cities and how many things are out there. So that, Michael makes a great point. Show them what is there, but then and then show them mm-hmm. how to combat it and how to, and how, how to defeat it. Go ahead, Jameson. Well, just kind of what I was going to add to build on top of what's been said. Um, Jesus showed us the example. Uh, my mind kind of goes to John chapter 3, John chapter 4, where he's talking to Nicodemus, a Pharisee, a, a, a religious leader, a very studied individual in the Word of God. In the next chapter, he's talking to a Samaritan woman. Uh, you know, the Samaritans, Jews, and each, they hated each other. Um, and she had a lot of problems in her life. We need to follow Jesus' example in, in being able to try and meet people where they are. Um, try and, you know, not everybody is at the same point. Some people are going to know different things. You know, someone who's been brought up maybe their whole life in a certain, you know, denominational group is going to be at a very different point in thinking about bringing them the good news. They're at a totally different point than someone who's not really religious and, and has lived a you know, just kind of a live life however they wanted to. Those people are at two entirely different points. And in following the example of Jesus and taking the good news to them, we have to be able to try and meet people where they are. Mm-hmm. Um, we learn that from him. That's a great point. So we talked about how we can evangelize to, to the world around us, um, to, to the non-religious, the religious, to the people who are just all around. Well, let Josh, let's kind of bring it home and let's talk about um, our, our communities, those local to us, our neighbors. How can we become better at talking to the people who we, who we, just, we see every single day, who are, the, who are in our communities? How can we better evangelize to them? I think Jameson hit it right on the head. You know, we have to meet people where they are. And adding to that, we also have to be able to equip the saints to go out and do that as well. Because one of the things from preaching I've kind of been, you know, I've, I've heard before and I've even said it, you know, to the preacher at home who's been my preacher my entire life, you know, but sometimes as preachers we tell people to live right, to be faithful, to evangelize, but we never show them how to do that. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we can't just tell people, well, we need to go out into our communities, Matthew five sixteen, we need to let our light shine, but yet we don't give people scripture on how they can do that, how they can go out and evangelize, how they can better live, how they can share the gospel uh, with people who are within the world. But again, uh, the points I had made, again, Jameson made, uh, mentioned the good one, uh, meeting people where they are. And again, that's that's our entire communities. And then secondly, we need to pray for our community. I can remember one time there was a sermon uh, I was listening to by a good preacher friend, Hiram Kemp, and he was basically saying how, you know, when Jesus went into the the, the, um, the temple, he flipped tables mm-hmm. and, and, and people always using that as an excuse to be angry. But before that, what did he do? Well, he whipped over Jerusalem. And the point he was making was, you know, don't be flipping tables over in a community you haven't whipped over yet. And a lot of times, you know, we want to flip tables over in our community, say what the issue is. But what have we done as the church within that community to help them go forward? So Mm -hmm. I think that would be a good point. And and I know we've got a comment from Chase, too, when we get to to wrap it up. So I'm going to make a statement first that I think is so overlooked. Going where the people are means you do something 
about different things in your community. So if, if the local parks and rec say we need a soccer coach, you go coach soccer. Uh, I don't know anything about soccer other than you put a ball in a net. That's all I know. And yet I coached five- and six-year-olds with another person in the community for the Parks and Rec League because they needed it. And some of those children then were old enough to be on the football team. Well, I've coached the football team going on a couple of years now. Well, they remembered me from that. But they also have an opportunity. Our congregation, once the season is over, we bring them to the church building for a meal. And we have our end-of-season celebration, you know, at the church building. And then the elders are present. Our deacons are present for the youth. And all of these people are right there. And what do you know that we're going to do? We're going to offer them an opportunity to come and worship with us because not only have they been in the building, have they seen and met our elders and deacons, they've also known the coach who's the preacher there. And it's an opportunity to showcase them that we care about you. We want you to be a part of our community in this building that we have that's a part of the church and part of the other issue we have is like like josh said we have so much that we say we need to do and we don't do any preparing to do it before you do anything you have to learn how to do it but then you have to be ready to do it you could say i was going to go to preaching school but until you made that commitment it was just talk and when you went to school we all realized very quickly just how much work was involved in going through a preaching school and then we all got our first local works and we realized just how much work is involved in local work well beyond what we were even told in school stuff that you just don't even expect and know that's going to happen it's going to happen and yet we're able to do that and so we put our you know our, our feet to the grind and we do everything that we can to work as hard as possible evangelism is no different so many churches want to buy a book and a binder and go through a class and then think that they're going to all of a sudden wake up the next day and be the best evangelizers in the community that's not how evangelism works evangelism is like what ezra did he sought to prepare himself mm -hmm. to seek the law of the lord to do it and to teach it to other people it started within himself ezra seven ten, and that has to start within ourselves too but if we're not prepared to do it it's not going to go anywhere. You can have a million seminars. You can have a million classes. Congratulations. You have wasted checks in some ways because we got to get people to realize after the seminar's over, after the class is completed, now you've got to go and do it. It's all on you because we have to go into the community and to teach people. And if we're not ready, we're never going to go. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. Chase, I'll let you, as you close it in just a minute. Um, I think, Michael, you made a great point when you mentioned – coaching soccer, I think that evangelism is so much more than just verbally speaking to someone. Mm -hmm. It's taking advantage of the opportunities that are there in your communities and taking, you know, the opportunities are there. People are searching for the truth. Don't let opportunities like that go to waste just because you're afraid you don't know enough or you're afraid that you can't get out there and do it. Take advantage of opportunities to get into your communities uh, and or take advantage of the opportunities to get into your communities um, and to to, to, to be the example, again, it's so much more than just your words and just talking to people, but it's about your actions, your attitude. We've talked about that in, in other episodes. It's so much more than just verbal communication. Chase? Yeah, I, I think it boils down to evangelism really ought to be a lifestyle hmm. and an occupation. You know, when, when Jesus took fishermen and he said, hey, I'll make you fishers of men, what was he doing? He was changing their occupations. They were to be evangelists from that point, and that was their job, fishing men. You know, the Bible says in Ephesians 1, verse 3, all spiritual blessings are located where? In Christ. Someone who has not been evangelized, we would say, somebody who has not obeyed the gospel is outside of Christ. They don't have access to those spiritual blessings. And until we see people who are outside of Christ like that, until we see them as souls that are wandering around lost like sheep without a shepherd, 
wandering on the mountain. Until we see them that way, whether we're talking about our friends, our family, whether we're talking about somebody that's a cashier at Walmart, until we see them that way, we're not going to evangelize. And so we've got to have that mindset. We've got to realize that in order to be in Christ, Galatians 3.27, Romans chapter 6 says we're baptized into Christ. And that takes us back to the Great Commission, Matthew uh, 28, 18 through 20. Go and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. So it's a continuous process. It's a continuous circle of evangelizing, baptizing them, converting them, and then helping them to continue to be discipled after Christ. And um, it's a lifestyle. And we've got to get back to that as Christians, or we're going to continue to see the church do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think that's a great point. That's a great way to end it, too, um, talking about it being a lifestyle. It ought to be in everything that you do as a Christian. Evangelism ought to be a part of your, your entire life. In every action, every word, and everything that you do, it ought to be there. And if you're not a Christian and you have questions about this, know that you can reach out to any of us. Any of our hosts here, we are more than happy to talk to you. You can email us and give us your questions, and we would try to give you a biblical answer to the best of our ability. As always, we certainly appreciate you joining us for this episode of the Scattered Abroad Podcast. Don't forget that you can find our show notes below. There you can find all of our social media platforms, all of the links to our episodes, to our individual podcasts, and you can find all the information you need to know about us there in the show notes. As always, don't forget about our sponsorship and our giveaway for the month. If you want to enter in to, to try to win that, um, go to our email again, or our website rather, that's scatteredabroad.org. You can scroll all the way down Put in your email and your name, and there you'll be entered in uh, to win that sponsorship. Also at Scattered Abroad, we put out content every single day. There are new episodes uploaded from all of our podcasts. So if you're looking for stuff like that, hop on our website, check out those things, and hopefully it will be beneficial to you. On behalf of everyone here at SAN, thank you so much for listening, and may God bless.